begin today the Gemara on the bottom of Daflam Etvavam Etveis, two lines from the bottom of the page where it says, Yehuda Mahi. Right, so the Gemara before brought that Yosef was Mekadosh, David's name, he sanctified Hashem's name privately. So therefore, in Tilim, you have one of Hashem's letters, of, the, of Hashem's holy name, added to his name, Yehoisef. Yehuda, though, he was Mekadosh, Shem Shemayim, Bephahesia, in public, so therefore, his entire name, Yehuda, contains all four letters of Hashem's name in it. So the Gemara brings Yehuda Mahi. Where, when is this? When did we see that Yehuda sanctified Hashem's name publicly? So this, it's interesting because this question the Gemara brought before in the Masechta on Daf Yud. And there the Gemara explained that this is a story with Yehuda himself. Yehuda and Toma, when he was Mekadashem Shemayim Begoli, when he admitted that, uh, that she's pregnant from him and therefore he saved her life. But here, the Gemara, for some reason, the Mepharshim speak about it, but the Gemara brings a different story about what happened with Shevet Yehuda many years later, by Kriyas Yamsov. So the Tanya, what happened when the Eden came to the Yamsov? Who was the first one to jump into the Yam? So this Bryce actually brings an argument about this. So, The Yidin was standing by the Yamsov. The Shvatim were arguing with one another. This one said, I will jump in first. And the other said, I will go in first. Each one wanted to be the first one to fulfill the mitzvah of Hashem, to go into the Yamsuf. It's interesting that the Gemara says they're arguing about this. The Mepharshim asks, why are they arguing? Let them all jump in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's big enough, uh, space enough for everybody to jump in. Okay, so one of the Pshatim I saw is, I forgot it says this, that they knew that the Yam is going to split in the Schus of the Oren. It says in the Medrash, I think the, maybe the Gemara says it before, that the Oren, it's it split in the Schus of the Oren, of Yosef that is. They were carrying the Oren of Yosef, right? Yeah. So each one of the Shvatim wanted to grab that Oren and jump into the Yam together with that Oren of Yosef. And that's what the fight was about. Who's going to take the Oren of Yosef to jump in? Hmm. What happened? Kofat's Shiftei Shol B'Yomen, B'Yorad L'Yam T'Chila. So Shevet B'Yomen was the one that jumped in first, Shanemar, and the source of this is, the Lashon the Postic says, Shom Binyamin Tsoir, Vir Binyamin, which was the youngest of all the Shvatim, Reidim. What does Reidim mean? Al Tikri Reidim El Red Yom. He was the first one that went down into the Yam. And then what happened? Postic there continues and says, Bahoyu Sare Yehuda Reignim Oisam. And the ministers, the prominent people of Shevet Yehuda were, were stoning them, were upset that they ran into the Yam first. They, Yehuda, very much had to, were very pained by this. They wanted to be the ones that had the schos to jump first into the Yam. Shanema Sari Yehuda Rigmosam. Possibly continues, Sari Yehuda, they, they were stoning them. So Nalafichoch, because Binyamin ran first into the Yam, Zoha Binyamin had Tzadik, Vinase Ushbezichin Lugvura, Binyamin the Tzadik, Shevet Binyamin. Was uh, that they became the host for the Eibishter. That's in the Beis Hamikdash, which is built on their portion in Eretz Yisrael. Shunemar, as it says, by the brach of Shevet Binyamin, uvenk seifav shachain, and that's between his shoulders, meaning in the place where he is in Eretz Yisrael, in his territory. That's where the Kodesh Hakadoshim is. The Shechina dwells in the portion of Shevet Binyamin. Okay, so this is the uh, mayor's opinion that Shevet Binyamin was the first one that jumped into the Yam. Oh, Malay Rabbi Yehuda. No, not yet. No, that's going to be the second opinion. Oh, Malay Rabbi Yehuda. But Rabbi Yehuda argues and says, That's not what happened. Elo, rather, the argument between the Shvatim, when the Abish said to jump to the Yam, was the exact opposite. 
זה אומר אין אני יורד את חיל הים, וזה אומר אין אני יורד את חיל הים. Nobody wants to be the first, because the yam was still there, and if David was going to split it, okay, but he didn't split it yet, so nobody wanted to go first. קופץ, נחשם בן אמינודוב, יורד לים תחילה. נחשם בן אמינודוב, from שבט יהודה, jumped into the yam first. שנאמר, the source for this is, סבבוני בכחש אפרים ובמרמה בייס ישראל, ויהודה עוד רד עם קהל. So the Gemara is touching this Pasuk that all other Yidin were Bekachash. Kachash Rashi says means they sort of dropped their Amunah. They didn't believe in the Eivisha. They did not want it to go into the Yam first. Surrounded falsehood. Falsehood, yeah. And Yehuda though, read. He went, he went down, he jumped into the Yam. And for all of Mufurish Bekabbalah, regarding him, it says in the Pasuk in Tilim, Hashiyeni Lekim, Kibor Maimad Save me Hashem. Because this, the water has come up, all oh, this is drowning me. Tovati bivei mitzulo vei mamed. I'm drowning in the depths of the water. Val teshaveni shiboylus ma'am val tevleni mitzula. I don't want to be washed over with the big waves of the water and to the depths of the water. So you, this is all Yehuda davening that David should save him. Nachshem and Aminadav when he jumped into the yam. Ba'isa shah at that moment, Moshe Rabbeinu saw what happened. Ha'yemoshe marach betfila. So Moshe Rabbeinu got up and davened, and he was davening. With an arichas to the Eibushter to save Yehuda, Amalek Kolish Baruchu. The Eibushter tells Moshe Rabbeinu, "Yedid I toivim beYam, my beloved, are drowning in the Yam." So it says Yeloshen Rabbim. It looks like it wasn't only Nachshon Ben Aminadav alone. He may have led them all, but it was it was Shevet Yehuda. They they jumped into the Yam. Vaata Meirich Betfila, and you're standing and davening for them. Lefana in front of me. So Moshe Rabbeinu says in front of Hashem, Master of the Universe, What should I do? says to him, Speak to the Eden, and that they should travel, they should go straight ahead into the water. And then, And you lift up that the holy staff that he had, that made all the makis, and, and bang it on the yam, and that's how the yam will be split. So this is the story that happened by Kriyas Yamsuf and Lefichach Zacha Yehuda lastes Nimshala be Israel and therefore Yehuda was Zaycha to be the one to become a ruler a king over the Eden. Shenema Hoisiud Lekatcha Yisrael Mamshalaisav. Yehuda is the one that became sanctified and he became Yisrael Mamshalaisav a ruler over all of Eden. That's what the Gemara teaches this pasuk here. Now Matam Hoisiud Lekatcha. Why was Yehuda sanctified for this? And Yisrael Mamshalaisav that is a ruler over the Eden. Because of Ayam Rav Ayanais, that he saw the water and then the water ran away. So even though the Pasuk says Ayam Rav Ayanais, the Yam was only Vayanais, it only escaped and ran away from him after he went into the Yam. He saw the Yam before it escaped and he jumped into the Yam. So therefore, the Abishri gave him Melucha, Memshala, over the Yid. There's a very interesting places here that says that even according to the first opinion, Yehuda became the Melech. And not Binyamin. Binyamin was Eichah for the Shechina to be dwelling in the Kedush Kadashim, which is in his territory in Eretz Yisrael. But why, according to Rab Meir's opinion, there was Yehuda Zeichah to be the Melech if he didn't even jump first into the Yam? So Taisus over here says the very fact that Yehuda had such tsar that they wanted to be the first, as we see that they were stoning Binyamin, they, they, they had such a desire to be the first, that itself was the reason why they were Zeichah to be first. And Taisus brings an interesting marshal. It says a marshal of a king. That tells two of his children to wake him up in the morning. One of them, he tells them, wake me up right at sunrise. The other one, he tells them, wake me up three hours later. So, 
one child comes and wakes up his father at sunrise. The other, other child comes and screams at him, why are you waking up with the father now? My, my father told me to wake him up three hours from now. And he says, no, but father told me to wake him up now. And they're arguing with each other. And each one wants to be the one to fulfill the father's wish, to wake him up at the exact time when he wanted. And from all the commotion, the argument between the two children, the father wakes up, the king wakes up. And the king says that both of you are trying to do exactly what I wanted. Both of you, so I'll give, I'll reward both of you for having that desire to do what I wanted. So therefore, we hear as well, Yehuda, according to the mayor, was not the one that actually jumped in first, but David gave him the schar for this desire he had, and he became the melech. So, so, so the father tells two kids to do something. <laughs> so the kid, the other kid, is supposed to throw rocks in them, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the throwing rocks in the gemara here could be it's a guzma. I'm not sure if you could take it literally, but uh, it's a lashon and tilim. it's it's an expression of a very strong desire that they had to fulfill what Hashem wanted. The Rebbe brought this gemara many, many times to <coughs> to show the idea that many times when there's something that has to be fulfilled, the Abishad does not open up the yam for you first. Ebesha doesn't split the yam for you first, and it's easy. But if you hear the Ebesha could have just split the yam right in the beginning, and the Eden would have walked straight in, if he's anyways planning on splitting it. Elamai, if the Eden are going to Matantayre, the first thing that's demanded is the Mesiris Nefesh and the Bittal, the Ebesha wants to see, are the Eden ready to go to Matantayre with the right attitude? And therefore, are they jumping into the yam before it splits? But once you jump into the yam, the Abisha will split it for you. And the same thing that Ebbe said in many areas in Taito Mitzvahs, when a person sees all kinds of challenges, sometimes we say, oh, it's a raya that I can't do this, or it's a raya that Abisha doesn't want me to do this because I see all the big yam in front of me. I got to turn out in a different direction. But it's not so. If that's what Abisha is commanding, that's what he wants. But Abisha keeps the yam there because that's bringing out of you the kayach of Mercedes Nefesh. Once you jump in, so then the Ebeshu will help you, the Ebeshu will open up a pathway and it'll be a Kriyas Yamsuf. That's how things develop always in the life of the Yid. Tanya, now we continue going back to the Braise discussing what happened when Yidin came, came into Eretz Yisrael. And when the Yidin, after they came into Eretz Yisrael, the first place they went to was the Hagrizim and Harevel. says, We can't say that Levi Lamata. That Shevet Levi by Hagrizim and Harevel, that they were in the bottom, in the valley, in between these mountains. Like it actually says in Sefer Yeshua, where it describes what happened by Hagrizim and Harevel, it actually says over there that Shevet Levi was in the bottom, in the middle. But you can't say that. Because if you look in the Pasik and Parshish Kisavai, there it clearly says that Shevet Levi was on the mountain and they were on Hagrizim. On the other hand, we have Shalai Malamaila. You can't say, like it says in Parshas Kisave, that they were on the mountain, because in Sefi Yeshua it says that they were in the bottom. So, what's the story? Basically, it's a contradiction here regarding where was Shevet Levi. So, the answer is, oh, okay, Tzad, what's the resolution? Ziknik, Kunavalavia, the elders of the Kainim and the Levia, Lamata. They were below. The rest of Shevet Levi was on the mountain, was on Hargrizim. Rabbi Yeshua resolves it differently. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua, that is, says it. Says that the pshat is as follows: the Leviim that are of the age that they can serve in the base of Mikdash, whether it's the songs, whether it's the the doors, the entrances, and this is the Shevet Levi from the age of thirty to the age of fifty lamata. So they were below. The rest of Shevet Levi that's not in that age that can, they can serve lamayla. They were on on top of the mountain. Rebbe Yomer, Rebbe argues Bechlal, again? Yes, so it comes out according to this. The Skenim above age of 50 were Lamayla, correct. Okay, but it's not so Pashat, and before I talk about it, I think it says pretty clearly in the Pasik, 
in part over there in Yeshua that the zikainim of the Levim were lamata. So, so this this tetz of Rabbi Yeshi is difficult, but but this is the way the Gemara says it here, Pashtus. Rabbi Yaimir Rabbi says, when we speak about the six Shvatim that were on both mountains, so until now our understanding was that the six Shvatim here and there were mamish on the mountains themselves. Rabbi says, no. They weren't mamish on the mountains. They were standing on the two different sides below the mountains, but not on the mountain itself. Now, okay, so the Gemara will soon bring the source for this. But Nandi Braise says, now this is L'chayda not necessarily part of what Rebbe is saying? This is according to everybody. Everybody turned towards Har Grizim, and then they said the Brachis, and they answered Amen for that. They turned towards Har Eivol, and they said the Klolis, and everyone answered Amen. So now the Gemara asks, now the source of Rebbe, why does Rebbe say that they did not actually stand on the mountain itself? But they stood at, on the bottom of the mountain, sort of towards the mountain, or right across at the mountain. Because if you look in Sefer Yeshua, it doesn't say that they stood al, that they stood on the mountain. It actually says mul, mul har grizim and mul har evil, which means right across, or maybe right at the bottom of, but not on the mountain itself. That's the source of Rebbe. But the Gemara now asks, but if so, the question according to Rebbe is, my al. But if you look in, 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 the, in the Chomish, over there, it does say al, that they are standing on top of the mountain itself. So what does al mean? So he answers, Al means besamoch. Al does not mean on top of the mountain. Al means right nearby. Mm-hmm. And the source for this is, where do we find that the word Al could mean nearby? Like it says, Place on the mareches. The mareches means the bread, the lechem haponim, that's set up on the shulchan, in the base of Mikdash. So if you read the simple shot of the Pasuk, it says, on the mareches, which is the actual bread set up, place the slavoyna zaka, this frankincense. What does that mean over there? It doesn't mean, so Rebbe Oimer, Al Basamach. Al over there also does not mean on the bread, but it means near the bread, on the actual shulchan, on the table. Now, Atayim Al Basamach, you say over there that it means near, Al Mamish. Maybe it means that you should literally place it on the Marechas, on the Lechem upon him, literally. So he brings you another place where you clearly see that Al means near. Keshu Oimer, when it says in the Pasik, Visakaisa Al Ha'orein. That you put up the Pareiches, which is the curtain, the separation between the Kaidish Kadashim and the Kaidish. So it says, Visakaisa, and this will uh, block or it will make a separation on the Aren. What does it mean on the Aren? It doesn't mean that you place the Pareiches on top of the Aren. It's hanging, it's a separation in between the two rooms. So over there, Al means nearby. So therefore, we could say the same regarding the Levayin Zaka and the same regarding the Hargrizim and Arevel, that the Yidim was standing near the mountains, not on top of the mountains themselves. Okay, going back to what it said in the Mishnah, Hofchu Pneim Klapi Hargrizim. Not Mamish together, because the mountains are far from each other. These, there are these two mountains on the right and on the left. They're probably pretty far from each other. I, mean, I wasn't ever there. I don't know how close they are, but they're probably like these two. We're talking about massive mountains here. We're not talking about these little hills. And they're far from each other. And this Yidin that stood on one side, near one mountain, Yidin that stood near the other mountain. And then in the center was the Aren, the Kayanim, and the Levian. That's according to Rabbi. The what? The what? Maybe the Yidin are being Makabal Abris to fulfill the title when they enter into Eretz Yisrael. We'll see right over here. The Gemara is going to say more details about this. So when Yidin said the brachis and the klalis, what was included in these brachis and klalis that were said? So Tanra Banan and Abraiset was taught. 
Baruch Bechlal. First, the brachas was said in a more general term. Now she brings from the Lashon of the Pasik in Parshas Kisavai when it speaks about this. So the, the first thing that it opens up with, I mean, the truth is, if you look there in the Chumash, you'll see, the, it doesn't say in the Chumash any brachas. It only says Arur, Klalis. But from the Arur, we understand the Pasik only specifies what the Eden said when they turned to Harabal, which is the Klalis. But from that, you understand that the very same thing was also said in the positive for the brachas when they turn to Hagrizim. Now, when you look over there in the Pasuk, the first thing it starts with is, The first order is general. Whoever will not fulfill the entire Teireh. The same thing we understand regarding the Bracha. The first Bracha was not regarding any specific mitzvah. It was a Bracha, Baruch HaShiyakim is called as Divriya Teireh Zeis. Benched is one that fulfills the entire Teireh. So that was the first thing. Baruch Bechlau. Baruch, a general Bracha. Then, Baruch Befrat. And then, there was also a bracha for the other details that are mentioned in the Pasuk. For each detail, a bracha. The same thing, when they tur- turned towards Har Eval, there was an Arur Bechlal. They opened first with a general curse. And then, Arur Befrat. And then there was a curse regarding one that doesn't fulfill the specific mitzvahs that the Torah mentions. Okay, that's one point. Then, another thing, regarding all the mitzvahs that were mentioned there, the, the Baruch Bechlal and Baruch Befrat, you have four different aspects regarding every single mitzvah. What are the four aspects? Lilmait, to learn the mitzvah. Lilameit, to teach the mitzvah. Lishmar, to keep. And Velasas, to fulfill. And Rashi here brings, you have different sukkim and Taira, where it mentions these, uh, these things. It says, Lamad Ushmartem Lasaisam. And then it says in another passage, So what are these four things? It's not 100% clear in the Gemara, and even Rashi doesn't specify what these four things are. So Lumad is simple, you have to learn all the mitzvahs of the Teireh. Lulamid is also simple, you have to educate and teach your children, the next generation should learn Teireh. Lishmar Velasais sounds very similar. Usually Shmira goes on mitzvahs loisase, and Lasais goes on mitzvahs sase. But over here, we're talking about all Taryag mitzvahs. So what's Lishmar and Lasais? The Marsha says that Lishmai refers to keeping, meaning retaining the things that you learn. It means to review, to review the Taita, that you shouldn't forget Taita. That's what Lishmai means. That's the Marsha's Pshat. And Lasais refers to keeping keeping the Taita, whether it's a whether it's a Sase. So all everything in Taita is divided into these four aspects. Lilmait, Lalamait, Lishmar, Velasai. So now it comes out as follows. Regarding all of this, the Eden are accepting. The, the abris, this was really a, a, a bond, a covenant that Hashem is making over here with Eden. That's what these brachas and klalas are all about. And this bond includes all these four aspects of every single mitzvah. So now, hare arba. So that means we have for every, every single mitzvah, there are four aspects. Now the Gemara says, if so, it comes out that you have over here, arba. First you have regarding the lilmoy, regarding learning. You have four aspects. Why is the four aspects regarding the learning? Because we just said that regarding every, that, that there was a Baruch Bechlal, Baruch Befrat. Arur Bechlal and Arur Befrat. There was a general bracha and a specific bracha, a general curse and a specific curse. And that relates to learning. Regarding a person learning Teireh in a general sense and regarding learning specific mitzvahs of Teireh. And the same thing, a curse for one that does not forsakes learning in general or a person that's not learning about a specific mitzvah, right? So regarding learning, you have four aspects of the two brachas and the two klalas. 
And then the Arba, another four, the same other four regarding the Lulamit, regarding teaching your children. So regarding teaching your children, you also have the Bracha Bechlal and Bracha Befrat, Arur Bechlal and Arur Befrat. So So we have already eight different uh, details of this ban that Hashem is uh, making with Eden. And then Shmaina. Ushmaina, there's these eight, but then there's another eight, because besides the Lilmaid or Lulamid, you also have the Lishmer and the Lasis. So for the Lishmer, again, there's another four, and for the Lasis, again, there's another four. Again, the four details of the Baruch Bechlal and Baruch Befrat, and Arar Bechlal and Arar Befrat. So what's eight and eight? Harei, Sheish, Esrei. So there's 16 different details, 16 different aspects to the bris that the Abish is making over with you. That's over here when it comes to Hargrizim and Harevo. Uh, one of the chedushim of this Gemara here is, when you look in the Pasuk over there, and it mentions the different things of Baruch and, and Arur, it doesn't go through all the mitzvahs of the Torah. I think it says in the Pasuk Arur only 11 times, and that means that the Baruch was also 11 times Baruch. That's it. But nevertheless, the Bryce is saying, even though in the Pasuk it's only specified 11 times, but really it includes all mitzvahs of the Torah. So regarding all mitzvahs of the Torah, you have these 16 aspects of, of, uh, of a bris, what the Abisha makes with Eden. Now the Gemara continues and says even more, V'chein b'sinai, this, everything we've mentioned here, the four aspects of Lilmoid, Lamed, Lishmoid, Velasais, times that by the other four aspects of the Baruch Bechlal, Baruch Befrat, and then Arar Bechlal and Arar Befrat. This is true regarding Sinai as well. When Yidin received the Torah by Har Sinai, over there as well, Har Sinai was not, was not just the Abish giving Yidin Torah, the Abish also made a bris with Yidin then, that they will fulfill the Torah. And that's, I mean, that's what we have next week's parasha, Parshas Bechol Kaisai. In Parshas Bechol Kaisai you have Brachis and the Teichach, the Klalis. The Brachis and the Klalis of Parshas Bechukaisai is Moshe Rabbeinu telling the Yidin the bond that Hashem makes with Yidin and the Brachis and the Baruch and the Oror and also Bechlal and Befrat exactly the way it was by Hargrizim and Areval. And Vechem by Arvis Moyav. And then at the end of the 40 years, when Yidin is standing in Arvis Moyav, which is right outside Eretz Yisrael, together with Moshe Rabbeinu, over there as well, this whole thing Moshe Rabbeinu repeats as well again. Shanemar, the Pasik says, What's the continuation of the Pasik? That this is the bris that Hashem made with Moshe. Lichrei says, B'nei Yisrael, Be'eretz Mo'yav. So this is Moshe Rabbeinu made the bris in Eretz Mo'yav. So right over here you see that Moshe Rabbeinu is making a bris with the Yidin by Eretz Mo'yav. And where, where does this Pasik say? Where does this Pasik say that, Abishir, that Moshe Rabbeinu made a bris with the Yidin in Eretz Mo'yav? This is at the end of Parshish Kisavai. After it says over there, the brachas and the klolis and parshas kisavai. And the brachas and klolis and parshas kisavai follows what? Right before that, it speaks about the brachas and the klolis of Hargrizim and Harevel. So we know that the brachas and the klolis that Moshe Rabbeinu said for the Eden, when he was in, in uh, Arvis Mayav, he was saying the same four aspects of brachas and klolis. Times four, which is 16, over there, like it was in Hargrizim and Harevel. And then, what does the Pasuk continue? The Gemara doesn't quote the whole Pasuk, but this is the main point. The conclusion of this Pasuk is, This is all besides the bris that the Ebesheb made with Yidin, which is Har Sinai. So if it's saying that the bris that Moshe Rabbeinu makes, which is similar to the bris of Har Grizim and Har Evil, is all besides the bris of Har Sinai, it's Mashmah and the Pasuk that by Har Sinai it was the same kind of bris. 
Okay, so by Har Grisman, our able the Titus specifies all the details of the bris, and the same exact bris was by Har Sinai. So this is repeated three times. So if the bris by Har Grisman, our able includes sixteen aspects to the bris. You'll keep this bris. And now that's repeated three times. Once by Hagriz and Arevo with Yeshua, when they enter into Israel. Once with Moshe Rabbeinu by the conclusion of the 40 years. And then the first time by Har Sinai, Nimtzet comes out, Mem Ches Brisai. So there are 48 aspects to the bris. I'll call mitzvah mitzvah. For every single mitzvah. Okay, 16 times 3. That's 48. That's what the Tanakhama here says. Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon argues with this. Rab Shimon might see Har Grizim Shimon argues with two details. First of all, Rab Shimon takes out Har Grizim and Har Evel. He says in Har Grizim and Har Evel, you don't have these aspects of the Bris regarding all the mitzvahs of the Torah. As I mentioned before, if you look in the pasuk by Har Grizim and Har Evel, it only says eleven times order, which means also eleven times butter, but it's not even going on all the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's number one. Besides that, and instead, Rab Shimon says that in the oil mayid in the midbar, when they built the mishkan, that is the oil mayid over there, the oil mayid of the midbar, that Rab Shimon says was the third time that Abishim made the bris with Eden. Meaning, according to Rab Shimon, the first time of the bris with all these aspects was by Har Sinai. The second time was when the Ebeshe spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Mishkan. When the Ebeshe speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Mishkan, he repeated all the mitzvahs again. And with all these brises again in the Mishkan, Rashi Avir says that uh, when Ebeshe speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu in the Mishkan, it was more biyishu, it was more settled. By Har Sinai, the Ebeshe came down, but Kailas Abrakim, it wasn't biyishu, it wasn't settled. And the Ebeshe says this whole bris over again, Ba'il Mayid. And then the third time is where? By Moshe Rabbeinu Barvis Moyev. When Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Eden entering in Territ Yisrael. But not, not by Har Grisman Har Evel. Why not? Because by Har Grisman Har Evel, it doesn't say all the mitzvahs over there. Again? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu gave it over to the Eden. Moshe Rabbeinu gave over these brisen to the Eden. Now, the Gemara here is going to focus on the second point that Abshimon argues with the Tanakhama. What's the second point that comes out? And that comes out over here. That according to Rab Shimon, one bris is by Har Sinai and the second bris is by the Mishkan and the Oil Mayid. Tanakhama doesn't divide those into two. Why not? Because according to the Tanakhama, the Mishkan and Har Sinai go together. By, the, by Har Sinai, the Ebishtah began the bris and didn't finish all the details. And then in the Oil Mayid, Ebishtah speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu and specifies and continues teaching him all the mitzvahs. So you can't divide those into two. So that's another argument here between the Tanakhama and Rab Shimon. So here, the Gemara is going to bring the source of that Machlekes. Could I divide Har Sinai and say that by Har Sinai, all the details were taught already there? So therefore, El Ma'id, when I see the Abish is teaching the mitzvahs, it's a repetition. It's a second time. Or do I say, no, Har Sinai and El Ma'id go together. Because by Har Sinai, the Abish started teaching. And then by El Ma'id, the Abish completed all the details. So on this, the Gemara says, The argument between here with Rav Shimon and Tanakame is the argument of the following Tanoi. Tanya the Braise says, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, Klolos Nemru Bissinai. When Davisha gave the Torah on Har Sinai, Davisha speaks in general terms. The details are not mentioned. You find certain general things that it says in Har Sinai. It actually brings one example. It says there, right by Matan Torah, you should bring Karbanis. But it doesn't say all the details, all the halachas, how you do the, the Shrita, the Zrika, and the Mizbech. It doesn't say anything. Then you look in Chumash Vayikra, after the Mishkan is built, there all the details are said. So in the, by Harsina, the Abish speaks only in general terms. 
the details were said by the oil might. So you can't divide the the Sinai and the Mishkan into two. It's it's one continuation. But Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, Klalos Uprotus Namr Bisinai. When the Abish speaks by Har Sinai, even though it's not specified in the Torah, but the Abish spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu and to give over to the Eden all the details. And then Vinishnu Ba'el Mayid, it was repeated a second time in the El Mayid, and Vinishtalshu Ba'arvis Mayid. And then a third time, another bris, a third bris was in Arvis Mayid. And then Rabbi Kiva concludes the same point we said before. For every single mitzvah in the Torah, you have 48 brisais, which are the lilmoid, lamid, lishmoid, velasais, four aspects. And then you times that by the, by the four details of baruch bechlal, baruch befrat, aruch bechlal, aruch befrat. So that's 16. And then times that by three. So that's 48. Okay, so you see here clearly this machlaik is benigaya too, the difference between Har Sinai and Oil Mayid, whether the Abishtar already said all the details by Har Sinai. I don't know if you can ask, but Khaira should be first Boruch and then Kumboch. Comes the auto? Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll see. We'll see soon. The Gemara will discuss that. What was first, the Brach or the Klaw? No, I'm saying it's kind of the Tayyar Oh, 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 and Boruch B'Dayach Meilu. Ah, Fashtay. Okay, why the Tayyar only writes the auto? It's a good yeah. question. Okay, but Amos says that they began with a bracha. We'll see soon in the Gemara. Okay, let me just mention one detail. The Rebbe speaks about this, this machlekes here between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva in a sikh and chelik yitzayim parashas bahar. Next week's parasha, the first sikh there. The Rebbe speaks about this parichas gedayla. Just one akuda that the Rebbe says is the difference between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva that are arguing about this in this price is Rabbi Shmuel was a kohen gadol. He was on the level of a tzaddik. Rabbi Kiva was a ben gadim. He came from commerce and he was on the level of a bal tshuva. And therefore, the Rebbe says, what does Har Sinai represent? Har Sinai represents absolute bittel, absolute mysterious nefesh. Rabbi Kiva, which was a Balchuva, by a Balchuva, in everything that he does, it comes with a mysterious nefesh. So therefore, Rabbi Kiva says, in Har Sinai, all the details of Torah are there in Har Sinai. Because you have to have the mysterious nefesh in every detail by a Balchuva. A tzaddik, though, is different. A tzaddik, he starts his day with Shema Yisrael. It starts with Mesiris Nefesh. But the regular Aved of Atzadik is more with a Seder. More Seder doesn't take necessarily Mesiris Nefesh in every detail. And therefore he says the details were not necessarily there or were not there by Har Sinai. That's one of the that Rebbe says in the Sikh. There's a very big Arichas there in the Sikh explaining this whole Machlekes. Okay, now the Gemara brings an additional opinion regarding all these bris, the, the Brisn, the different aspects of the covenant that the Abishnah made with Yidin. Shimon ben Yudish Kvara Kayaimer, he adds and says, Mishum Rab Shimon in the name of Rab Shimon, Ain Lucha Mitzvah or Mitzvah, Shaksuva Bitaira. There's no mitzvah that's written in the Taira. Shalinikhisuala Arbaim Ushmaina Brisais, the forty-eight Brisais mentioned before, but he adds, Shal Sheish Meyais Elef, the number of the whole Klal Yisrael. Shal Sheish Meyais Elef, Ushlaishis Alafim, Vachomesh Meyais Vachamishim. And each Bris includes six hundred thousand. And 3,000, and uh, what's the number over here? 3,000 and 550. That's what the brises include. What does this mean? What this means is when you accept a bris to fulfill taita, you're not only accepting a bris to fulfill the taita yourself, but there's another detail that wasn't mentioned until there. Every single year, there's also an orif, a guarantor to fulfill, to, to, to see to it that another year, 
should fulfill a mitzvah. Every yid has an obligation, he's an arif. You accept arvis upon yourself to be a guarantor that another yid should fulfill a mitzvah. If another yid doesn't fulfill a mitzvah, you're going you're gonna to have to do whatever you can to convince him to fulfill a mitzvah. If another yid doesn't have veda, it's your obligation, it's your responsibility to, to rebuke him or to, to, to teach him how to fulfill the mitzvah. So therefore, really, every bris has in it not only your own obligation, but every individual yid is, has the responsibility for all of Klal Yisrael. So it includes this number, the aspect of your obligation of every single yid. Amar Rebbe, so not based on this, so Rebbe says, According to Rab Shimon ben Yehuda, Markai Shama Mishum Rab Shimon, it said in the name of Rab Shimon. So you could you could you could extend this a level further and say as follows. Okay, I'm going to read the lashon of the Gemara, but it seems like Rashi here brings a girsa which is a bit different than the lashon of our Gemara. But first, let me read the words of the Gemara. So he says, Eilecha Kol Mitzvah or Mitzvah Shabbatayde Shalei Nichrasu Alar Ba'am Mishmayne Brisais that does not have, as we mentioned, the forty-eight Brisais, and those forty-eight Brisais also include the obligation of. All other Yidin to be a guarantor for all other Yidin, and therefore Shalshesh, Meis, Elav, Shloishes, Alofim, Bechomish, Meis, Bechamishim. But then he adds and says, Nimtza comes out that there's another additional time that you have to include that number of all of Kla Yisrael. Every single Yid, the Brisais that he accepts upon himself includes additionally again a second time Shesh, Meis, Elav, Shloishes, Alofim, Bechomish, Meis, Bechamishim, that number of the entire Kla Yisrael. So in, in our Gemara, the Girsa here is Nimtza, okay? And Rashi over here, it, it seems like he's bringing it from the Tesefta, it's not great as the word Nimtza, but Rashi says, V'yesh b'chol achas. That basically what Rebbe is saying is, the number of the entire Klal Yisrael has to be counted twice. You have to count, that, that's what Rebbe is adding over here. Now what's Takadipshat? What, what does this mean? Why is he saying you have to count it twice? <laughs> the whole point of Rav Shimon is to say that when you accept a bris, you're not just accepting for yourself personally to keep Torah, but you're accepting also to be a guarantor for all of Klai Yisrael. So then that means that your responsibility is for all of Yidin. So the number of Yidin should be counted once. Why are we counting it twice? So the Gemara explains, Amar Rav Mesharshiyeh, oh, sorry, I missed two words, My Benayu, what's the difference? What's Rebbe adding here? Amar Rav Mesharshiyeh, Rav Mesharshiyeh adds, Arva, the difference between them is, being an Arif, being a guarantor for all of Yidin, that they should fulfill mitzvahs, or Va'arva, De'arva, do you have to be a guarantor for this, that every year accepts upon himself to be a guarantor, Ike Benayu. That's the difference between them. What's the Gemara mean to say? So let me just explain it in very practical and very practically. What this means is that when you accept to be a guarantor for another yid, do you accept upon yourself to see to it, to teach another yid, or to convince him to fulfill a mitzvah? That's what it means arva. Arva da arva would mean something else. When you see another yid that has an opportunity to teach someone else teira, in other words, to fulfill his arvus, and he's not fulfilling his arvus you now have an obligation to be a guarantor for this that he has to be a guarantor. You have to convince him to do his job also to be a guarantor, to teach another yid. So you're not only an arev for another yid to fulfill mitzvahs, you're also an arev for the other yid to fulfill his job as a guarantor. So therefore, if you're saying that the bris includes every klal accepting upon himself the number of all the Klai Yisrael, you have to double that because you're accepting upon yourself your own mitzvah and then everyone else fulfilling the mitzvahs and also to be a guarantor for the other yid that has to guarantee people to do mitzvahs. Okay, the Rebbe spoke about this union of the Arvus of Klai Yisrael. I mean, this is really the source of the whole concept of Mitzayim, to be Mizaka, another yid for a mitzvah. It's Pasha an obligation. Every yid accepted upon himself 
to be a guarantor for the rest of Klal Yisrael. That includes yourself to do mitzvahim, to be mezaka, another yid with a mitzvah. And even according to this Rebbe over here, if you know another person, you see, this is Rebbe, right? Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rebbe, a Nasi of Klal Yisrael, he, he, to this extent, he's concerned about another yid. If you know that there's someone that has an opportunity to teach someone Teda, so you should pick up the phone and convince him to go and teach Teda to another yid. That's part of your obligation to be a guarantor. And that, that's, that's what Rebbe's adding over here. Yeah, okay, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's the Tai Jasub Shah and the Gemara. Just just to mention one other, other thing regarding this concept of Arevus. This concept of Arevus is not not, not just a uh or obligation you have, but this is Nagayla Halacha when when you want to be Mizaka another yid to be Yitz with a mitzvah that you fulfill. Let's say you want to make Kiddush, right? So you, the halacha is, you could only make Kiddush, you could only be Yitzvah, Maitzi that is, someone else with a mitzvah, if you're obligated in the mitzvah. If you're not obligated in the mitzvah, you can't be Maitzi someone else. That's why a Kotan can't be Maitzi someone else, because he's not obligated himself. So what's if you already made Kiddush? Could you be Maitzi someone else with Kiddush? The answer is yes. Why? You were Yitzvah already. You're not obligated anymore. But the answer is, because if the other Yid still has the mitzvah, that's your obligation. You have an obligation to see to it that he should do the mitzvah. So you're still <laughs> obligated. It's your obligation. So you can make Kiddush for another Yid that it has to be Yitz, even though you were Yitz already. So this is a partial practical application from what the Gemara is saying here. Yeah? Okay, let's see right. Dara Shabyud ben Achmeini Miturgamane the Rabshim ben Lokish. He was the Miturgaman, he was the interpreter that explained Rabshim ben Lokish, he darshan as follows. Kala Parsha Kula. You look at the Parsha of what was said, who was cursed by Hargrizim and Harevos. I mentioned the, the Pasig only mentions over there eleven different things. But the Pasha over there is speaking about inappropriate behavior, immoral behavior between one, one person and another. That's what the whole theme of the Parsha is. Now, the truth is, you look into the parsha, it doesn't seem so. It goes through different things. So the Gemara brings one of the things that it says, and it says, <laughs> don't learn it literally. When it says, cursed is the person that makes a pestle a masecha, seeming like it speaks about Avedizara. So the Gemara says, but it doesn't really mean Avedizara. But other sagile, person that serves Avedizara, a curse is enough. The Masha says, a curse means that he's cursed in this world. But he's not cursed in Olam Haba. A person that serves Avedizara is even cursed in Olam Haba. So, it can't, so it's not really referring to Avedizara. Ela rather, erve. what the Pasuk is really speaking about is a person that has a relation with someone that's forbidden. And then Vahilid Ben gives birth to a child. Now that child is like is a mamza now. So what happens with him? He can't get married into Klai Yisrael. So Vahalach Lebein Nevi Kachavim. So this child goes amongst Goyim. And Vahalach Lebein Kachavim. And he goes and serves Avedizara. So Arudin, his parents are cursed because they caused him to go and serve Avedizara. That's what the Pasuk is really referring to. So it's referring to Naif and Naifis. It's referring to inappropriate and or, or forbidden relationships. Nashav here goes through other things that it says in the Pasuk that do not seem to be connected to uh, the union of uh, forbidden relationships. For example, the Pasuk says that uh, that uh, person that uh, is Second, a person that's makal of a person that curses, a parent, is, should be cursed. So Rashi says, what does that mean? It also means a person that behaves inappropriately, it's like he's cursing his parents because it's, he's mezalzal in his parents. Another thing it says in the Pasik, that you're, you're causing a blind person to stumble. That's also meaning in, that you, you have a relationship with an Eshesish and she's unaware of this, you're causing to stumble. It says, Masigvoreyeyu. Masigvore sounds like just a Sagas Gvore, but it doesn't mean that. It means an Eshesish, same thing. 
uh, what else? Rashi brings over here Shaykhat. It says in the Pasuk Shaykhat. Shaykhat does not mean Shaykhat as we usually know it, bribery in a court case, but it means you bribe someone for this forbidden relationship. Okay, but it's interesting. The last one Rashi over there brings, it says in the Pasuk, Order Mata Mishpat Ger Yosem. So over there, Rashi says, He doesn't know how this, 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 this Pasuk is related to Noyev and Ayafis. Okay, it could be other Mepharshim say, but that's how Rashi concludes. Okay, let's learn the last piece over here on this subject. Kanere, this is a very big Nusayan, and on this you need a special extra bris. We learned the bris of Nesatis Abracha al Har Krizim al Ha'avayasaklolavikaymer. So the Pasuk says first Bracha and then Klolav. So I'm not talking about Lehman, but why does this have to say that the Bracha is on Hagrizim and the Klolav is on Harevel? If it's just to say the simple facts, but it says already in the pasuk, the six shvatim are going to stand on hagrizim and ksiv, and then the pasuk says, the other six on harevel. So it's not. We don't need it to tell us the literal fact. Ella rather It's coming to say that they opened with a bracha and then the klala. Even though the pasuk, like you mentioned, it only says order in the pasuk, but nevertheless we begin with the bracha. At first they said all the brachas before the klolis, but that's not true. It says it in a singular term. So therefore, what do I understand from this? One bracha has to be before the klolis. They opened with a bracha. But not all the brachas were before the klolis. Another thing we learn from here, we compare the bracha to the klala, even though the Pasuk does not say bracha befeidish at all, but we compare bracha to klala. Just like the klala was with the levim, they said it, and then everyone answered, Amen, so too by the bracha it was as well. And just like the klala, the levim said it, the Pasuk says, the levim said it in a loud voice, the same with the brachas, they also said in a loud voice. As we learned at the beginning of this whole Pedic, that the bracha, the klala that is, was said in Lashon Kaidish, also in Lashon Kaidish. Just like the klala, as we began over here, it said, that it was said in a general term and then the specific details. So to the bracha, was said, generally, and then prat the details. Just like regarding the klala, the Pasuk says, the Yidin and Hargrizim and our Heva all answered, Amen. Avbracha, the same by the Bracha, Elu, the Yidin on both sides of the mountain, Anu, Amru, Amen. They all said, Amen. <laughs>